Welcome to Be Happy, a podcast by the Hepatitis B Foundation discussing all things related to hepatitis B. It's your hosts, Evangeline and Bright. And today we are joined with Dan Juma Ada from the World Hepatitis Alliance to talk about stigma. We will be our first conversation about stigma and hepatitis B in this stigma series. Stay tuned for more. My name is Dan Juma Ada. I am the CEO and executive director of a, a local charity based here in Nigeria. And I'm, I'm also currently the president of the World Hepatitis Alliance. So I started my charity work way back when I discovered I was infected with hepatitis B. And then two years after, I lost my mother to hepatitis C. And that was what made me to start this, this initiative to create awareness on hepatitis to run free screening for populations because when I lost my mom, that was like six months after I got married. So I had a very terrible experience. So, and I told myself that I didn't want others to pass through the same experience that I passed through, losing a mom at a critical stage of my life, just looking forward to having her first grandchild. So it was really traumatic for me. And that made me to start the journey to advocacy and then awareness on hepatitis. In my own personal story, when I got infected with hepatitis B, it was through clinical rotation working on a comorbidity sample. So I really actually asked myself then, why was there no hepatitis B vaccination as I then, as a healthcare worker working in the hospital, to have gotten the shot that would have prevented me from getting infected with hepatitis B? But so those are questions that were ringing in my mind. And then losing my mother was like the icing on the cake. And I started a charity to ensure that. I create awareness because I discovered even among healthcare professionals, and uh, there was very little awareness about hepatitis. And most people thought that hepatitis is like a death sentence. And if you get hepatitis, that is like the end of your life. And you're totally cut off and no ambition, no plans for life, nothing is going to happen. So I, I was really traumatized the first few weeks and months when I got infected. And I actually thought that was the end of the journey for me. But lucky enough, I was able to read books and understand what it meant about hepatitis. And the first challenge I had was actually to, to disclose my status to my partner then, my current wife. And then I was just dating her. And I find it very difficult to disclose my status to her because people thought that everybody assumed that having hepatitis you must have you must maybe live a promiscuous life is you know people judge us judge people by then and then and everybody thought that having hepatitis is just like the end of your life so but I, i'm happy that i summoned courage i told her and she also did the same and told her relatives and parents that hey because we, we were required to run premarital tests and when the result came out positive she told them yeah she's okay with that because she has been tested and she was also vaccinated for me that started the journey but the issue around fear of not infecting patients because i worked in the clinical settings fear about disclosing my status openly so that people don't feel that I would transmit the virus to them because people then thought that sweat and handshake could transmit hepatitis. But yeah, so that was just the beginning of my journey into advocacy and then working on hepatitis. I asked Dan Juma about an experience that he had related to hepatitis B stigma, and this is what he had to say. I remember in the hospital where I worked then, and at this time patients would come around and they're asking to run hepatitis testing. And the information, the discussions they always have is that hepatitis is not a disease anybody should have. 
hepatitis is that is anybody getting hepatitis? I remember a particular patient was saying this that if he finds out any healthcare worker with hepatitis, he will never go to the hospital. And like my heart dropped, I was like, oh my God. So what happens if I tell these people that I'm having this same disease they're talking about? So the discussions around patients that will come around is that they don't want to even come across, they feel that healthcare workers having hepatitis should not come close to them because they'll transmit the virus. So it wasn't quite easy. I know, but it took me quite some years, honestly, before I openly disclosed my status to the media, through media campaigns, and when getting directly involved with patients in when I when I counsel people, because then it was a strong barrier in providing services to patients and telling them, hey, I have the same problem. So, and they just feel, no, you can't, you can't handle my case because you might infect me with the same virus. But it was much later, of course, I also had to build confidence. I also had to really convince myself that I needed to really tell this. And believe you me, the moment I broke the ice, it really helped a lot of people to understand that it, those were mostly myths and misconceptions. Denjuma has since started a charity to help people living with hepatitis B access care. This charity has a program which informs healthcare workers about accurate knowledge related to hepatitis B. He talks more about it next. Now, when I started my charity way back 2008, I started on the foundation of knowing very little about hepatitis, despite my background being in microbiology or virology. But the information out there is that hepatitis is a disease that kills as fast soon as possible, you get hepatitis, you drop dead. I had to invest into studies, into education, into more courses and programs to understand, linked up with the World Hepatitis Alliance, then got to attend seminars and webinars and meetings and understood more about what hepatitis was. Also created opportunities for staff in my organization to learn and get to understand what hepatitis was. You know, it wasn't quite easy, honestly, going to communities and trying to change the narrative about hepatitis. Now, in the communities where we are in most in Africa, in Nigeria, people associate hepatitis to just symptoms and also other, for example, mystical, traditional beliefs. Someone having joined this, they just call it yellow fever. And someone having ascites, they just give it different names. So, and the belief out there, even up to now, is that casual contact, sweating and water you can transmit hepatitis and just eating, sharing the same plates with people wash, wearing the same clothes with someone with hepatitis is enough for someone to get hepatitis. To be able to change this narrative, we invested a lot into media campaigns. We used to hold radio talks and we have phone-in programs found through my charity organization. And we organize seminars for healthcare professionals, seminars for students, seminars for community groups to try to raise awareness, to understand that hepatitis is not what they think but that people should understand and reduce the stigma because the stigma seems to have been a barrier for many people trying to access the services. I remember meeting many people that feel it doesn't matter if they have hepatitis, they will die shortly. So what's the need for them to even get tested? So we invested a lot into media campaigns and engaging through radio, television programs, and then social media also. And we did a lot of community outreaches. And some of our community outreaches, believe you me, we walk long distances, three, four, five hours. You go to communities that are completely cut off from healthcare facilities, populations that don't have access to, to even primary or se I mean, secondary level of care. And so we have to engage those communities. We did the traditional means of community awareness, 
walking long distances to communities, walking through rivers, crossing streams to ensure that we reach populations. We try to, in, in the course of raising awareness, also provide services like free testing. To, to date, my small charity in Nigeria has provided free testing to well over 100,000 people. We do that free from the time I started to now. I still do free hepatitis B surface antigen tests and hepatitis C antibody tests. And we make sure people that are screen positive, we refer them to, to, to hospitals to get services. And we vaccinate, especially, especially young adolescents and key populations with the hepatitis B vaccines. We have been doing that since I started with 2009 and up to date in my facility, we provide that and all the states where we're working. And that really, in my state, Taraba, that actually has helped to raise the bar in awareness and that really has helped to increase demand. We now have more people coming out, asking to do hepatitis testing, even in hospitals, going for screening. And then we try to also engage to, 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 to persuade even though we, we encourage religious leaders to encourage couples to do testing, but we also engage religious leaders not to use that to stigmatize people. Because when we started, we are advocating to religious leaders to encourage those premarital tests. But we discovered that some religious leaders were now using that to stigmatize couples. So if a couple is tested positive, they try to deny them the right to get married. So we told them that was not right. People had the right to get married if they choose to, even with their, their status, regardless of their status. So that really was also a big problem because many religious organizations were not using that to stigmatize people and they now use the results to make people to, to stigmatize individuals. So we intensify campaigns also, we're still doing that now. That challenge has not been overcome completely. So we do both the traditional awareness, going to communities using town criers. In communities where we are now, there are certain places that don't have access to radio or television. So we use people with megaphones. They go through and make and talk to people, raise awareness. We sit with women groups and talk to them during their normal tribal cultural association meetings or in religious homes. We talk to them, try to raise awareness. And what we do is that we work with structured organizations. For example, we work with this group called National Council for Women's Societies. It's the largest organization of women groups. And we make sure that we encourage them to encourage hepatitis information during their meetings, and most especially on hepatitis B PMTCT. And I'm super excited to say that using the context of maternal and child health, we're able to get this philanthropic organization in Nigeria to give us grant. It may be small, just about four to five million naira, but that really has changed and move the needle about HBV PMTCT in my local government in Niger, in Taraba State and in Southern local government. Because that has really helped to increase access to hepatitis to pregnant women getting free screening for hepatitis B at the point of care. Before now, pregnant women go to antenatal in those hospitals and they get the HIV testing free. They're now referred to the laboratories to go and do hepatitis B surface antigen testing at a cost. So through this intervention, we train healthcare providers like the nurses, the social workers, to be able to provide the same HIV and hepatitis screening at the point of the antenatal care. And we made sure they also integrated hepatitis B awareness into the antenatal awareness messaging. So while giving messaging to the pregnant women, they also give them messaging on, on hepatitis and they encourage their spouses, their partners, to follow them to antenatal. And we use that to do index testing, where the couple are tested also. That has really helped a lot. We also work with the traditional birth attendants because we're working in communities where 
Some pregnant women don't go to hospitals, either because of culture or religion or distance to facilities. So we work with these traditional women and encourage them that if this, whenever these pregnant women deliver, they should escort them to facilities to receive the birth dose vaccine. And we encourage them to move these women to receive hepatitis B testing during the antenatal. And honestly, that has really helped a lot in the local government where we're doing this intervention. It's a very small place, but it has really helped to increase awareness. And we now do the radio awareness. There is this radio talk that goes on every week once to raise awareness about hepatitis. So they keep hearing from the radio, telling them there's free screening in the antenatal and then there's community. So that has really helped a lot to really create the demand. The, the result we're having is that pregnant women are now coming out because they are now told they, are, they receive the, the bird dose vaccine, which is cancer preventable vaccine. And that has really indeed moved the needle and changed a lot the context about awareness of hepatitis B in the context of maternal and child health with a grant we receive from these funders, the T. White and Juma Foundation. Wow, that's amazing. You're really doing that prevention from, and you know, that intervention from the beginning, which is so important. I then asked Anjuma about hepatitis B treatment for individuals who test positive for hepatitis B. He talks about that next, along with program sustainability. Here's what he has to say. So what we do, we've trained healthcare providers, the doctors, the nurses, and the pharmacists to provide the services. And then we work with this pharma company now using the new WHO guidelines on hepatitis B PMTCT to provide tenofovir prophylaxis to all the women that are eligible for the prophylaxis. Now to make this sustainable, we link them up to these pharma companies to be able to provide this, this uh, tenofovir prophylaxis to the hospitals at very minimized cost, even after the, the grant cycle is over. So yes, they get, they get both the awareness and they get also the prophylaxis to help support the pregnant women to on the HVV prophylaxis, looking at using WHO guidelines on hepatitis B PMTCT. Yeah, it's, it's quite challenging working with women in rural areas because the majority of them deliver even out of the hospitals. And then, so we work with the traditional birth attendants to ensure that they refer them. Now for women who put to birth, we ensure that the babies are taken to the hospitals within the period of the 24 hours so that they ensure that the women get the vaccines, that the, the babies get the vaccines still within the 24 hours of birth. So, but it's quite challenging. Now that's the issue we have about hepatitis in most LMICs, lower middle income countries. The hepatitis diagnostic platforms are mostly in secondary, and not mostly in tertiary levels of care. You hardly get good quality diagnostics in primary levels of care. So it's quite challenging. So, but what we now decide to do is that we train these healthcare providers to give these services at the secondary and some primary levels of care in the hospitals where we're intervening. In addition to running his charity, Danjuma Ada was also appointed the World Hepatitis Alliance's new president in 2022. This is what he has to say about getting into this role. Well, Evangeline, becoming the president of the WHA was not quite easy, but yeah. then funny enough, I contested once and I lost. It might surprise you to know who I contested against. It was Charles Gore, the founder of the WHA. And then that was like so many years back. And the journey of my advocacy into hepatitis really been shaped by the World Hepatitis Alliance. And that really helped to look at things from different perspectives and be in a position where one would be able. It was more like really mixed feelings of excitement and also the thought of great responsibility on your shoulders. 
and then most of being the first from Africa that role, and then and then coming from the background of HPV, that really gave me the, the thought that we needed to really move the needle about hepatitis B while not overlooking the success gain in hepatitis C. And I'm happy that, and again, I felt that also give one the opportunity to, to network and to build more partnerships and then to, to push forward the agenda for hepatitis B while not overlooking for hepatitis C elimination goals as well. So it has been quite challenging and Believe me, it has been quite challenging meeting up with the demands of partners, meeting up with the demands of different organizations, and then also trying to release raise the bar on hepatitis B elimination because that is like the, that is like the elephant in the room now. A lot has been achieved on hepatitis C, but hepatitis B seems to have been, shall I say, left behind, or it's like an orphan or neglected child that really hasn't gotten the attention that hepatitis C has gotten over the years. So the investment in hepatitis C elimination has been massive, and that has been quite phenomenal in changing the narrative, but a lot more needs to be done on hepatitis B. And I'm quite excited that the Hepatitis B Foundation and other partners are putting heads together and joining forces to ensure that we move the needle on Hepatitis B elimination. And I'm super excited that my role as president of WHA and hopefully with, with partnership with all partners, will be able to help us to move the needle on Hepatitis B elimination. So as an individual, yes, I feel not really satisfied, but I really feel excited with the challenge. But I feel that we use the opportunity, more so coming from Africa, in one of the regions that have really not achieved much in hepatitis elimination, I feel, I hope that this opportunity would be able to shed more light in this region and other low middle income countries, Asia and other parts of the world, so that we should do something about hepatitis and achieve, and hopefully, hopefully, very ambitious goal of the 2030 targets, hopefully we should be able to maybe, maybe just go halfway if we can move to the complete attainment of the goals. Right. That's such a great goal. And, you know, under your guidance, it, it's great to hear that it's focusing on hepatitis B with them partners getting on board with that as well. And then just to wrap it up, since we only have a couple minutes left, I wanted to ask you what advice or statement would you give to people living with hepatitis B and, you know, don't have that confidence that you had to come out um, about their status? And if somebody is um, going through hepatitis B-related stigma or discrimination, what advice would you give them? I think first thing is for people to overcome the self-stigma because it starts with the self-stigmatization of people feeling let down, people feeling even giving up hopes of living. And then it starts first with overcoming that self-stigma before understanding, because what it did to me is that it really pushed me to really do more of understanding what it was all about. And then that made me to understand the information, the science behind it. So I'll tell people that it's not a dead sentence and it's not what people think here in the social media. And it's also important for people to go back to always verify facts from authentic source of information, WHO and other sources of information, rather than <clears throat> other channels of communication where it is mostly misinformation that people get about hepatitis. So uh, I would say self-motivation should push people to do more, study more, understand, and not to sit back because, I mean, self-stigma really, it's something that has really limited people's ability to gain access to testing. And to healthcare providers, I would say we need to begin to change the language about hepatitis. And the language of telling people it is difficult, it is impossible, it is very challenging, that really has also contributed to stigmatization and has maybe probably made many people not to access services. So, and I'm happy that the WHO is, is simplifying the guidelines for treatment 
probably that will also increase more access, more uptake of care by populations around the world. So people should take ownership of their health. And in countries and regions like Africa, where there's no mostly no government-funded programs, people should take ownership. People should take the good health-seeking behavior to try to understand what they need to know about hepatitis rather than waiting for governments. People facing discrimination now they need to stand out and assert their rights to get help where they can from if it takes legal services says they should go for it but people should not just keep quiet we want to hear stories we want to hear people telling us what this what the challenges they are facing i receive a lot of emails but the challenge is that a lot of folks will not want to want to come out if you ask them are they ready to speak they're not ready to speak so we need to shame people we need to shame people that are shaming us we need to step out we need to put our necks out a lot of folks are not ready to put their necks out but i think it's like that we need to put our necks out let us learn from the hiv movement the hiv community was people where folks were ready to stake out their necks and then to declare their status and challenge systems and shake tables. So I think it's high time we need to do that in the hepatitis community. We need to shake tables. We need to step out and stick out our necks and, and just create this movement that will definitely not leave populations behind. Yes, thank you so much, Jinjima. This has been a great episode and I'm sure it's going to really inspire people listening. Yes, I hope so. I really hope that people should be inspired to, to own up to their lives and then to move out there, stick out your necks and... Yeah, people should not just sit back. Great, thank you. It was great speaking with you, Evangeline. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Stay tuned and subscribe for future episodes about Hepatitis B. If you have any questions, please direct them to info at hepb.org. You can support our programs at the Hepatitis B Foundation by going to www.hepb.org donate or click on the link in this page. We greatly appreciate all your support and thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.